Welcome to Camera Shake Podcast, episode 91, the podcast where we talk about photography, videography, and anything that's got anything to do with any of that with me, Kirsten Nuts, and Nick Kirby. Now, it's episode 91. It is. Uh, uh, uh. What only, does that mean? It's only nine away from the biggest party you could <laughs> possibly imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Although, having said that, how, how's your party mood at the moment? I'm not very party esque no is that right <laughs> sorry i don't know what to work right, right. <laughs> and why is that because uh i've had covid all week Yay! Excellent. fun times fun times um yeah better now still feel a bit rough but nothing outrageous mm. still got a little bit of a cough but i'm all clear yeah. which is obviously why well, we're yeah uh in in the same room exactly so it's finally hit you yeah yeah i blame you Somehow you gave it to uh, me. <laughs> I had COVID like in, when, when did I have it? No, November or something? Exactly. December? Exactly. November or something like that, yeah. You've got 5G on your phone. <laughs> I don't know why I should be, like after all my vaccinations <laughs> and the fact that I had COVID, it should be 6G by now. But it is, well, it's funny though, because I didn't catch COVID before, but as soon as I got my new phone, which oh, does well, 5G. There you go. There, there you it go. is. That's got to be Proof. <laughs> right there. Proof. <laughs> Uncanny. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, like, how's it affected you? Uh, it hasn't, really. Mm. Um, I had a bit of a deep cough, dry cough, and had a stinking headache for uh, a couple of days, and then really? that, that eased okay. off. Other than that, I felt just run down, like a bad cold, yeah. if I'm honest. Like a bad cold. But otherwise, all good. Yeah, it's really interesting how it, how it affects different people differently, mm. you know? Mm. Um I remember, you know, when, when we had it, cause it was, uh, myself, um, my wife and my sister-in-law and my stepson, we all had it at the same time and all four of us experienced different symptoms, mm. you know, and it was, it was a different, uh, different thing from like my stepson had zero symptoms to, um, me just feeling a bit under the weather, basically to my wife nearly ending up in an ambulance, you know, oh, so, that's right. so it was, uh, you know, there's a full range there. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have any loss of taste or smell or no. anything like that. All fine. Yeah, neither did I. And yet my wife did. Mm. And she still hasn't recovered from that. I was reading something this morning that they don't know why mm. it affects some and not others, but they're, they're fairly, it sounds like they're fairly confident it's genetics and that there's a particular something or other in, in your nose, which... Oh, okay. can get affected when your cells get affected with covid and some people's get affected and some people's just don't it's something is, is that like why some people love marmite and others hate it and there's no because that apparently why some people see a gold dress and some people see a blue dress yeah what well, i don't know uh, yeah i do and i can't i can't remember i think i saw it both ways at one point it's cold but you know the yeah. um the Marmite thing actually has something to do with uh, taste receptors in your mouth. That is genetic. So some people have, and I don't know which which way around it, it worked, but it's like either, you know, those people who have this particular receptor like Marmite or they hate it. I'm not sure which which is which, but... Um, well, I hate it. I, I can't stand stuff. It's... But I do uh, like Twiglets. Do you? Yeah. Oh, wow. Go okay. figure. I mean, I always say like, if, you know, if my wife wants to avoid me <laughs> kissing her, all she's got to do is eat some Marmite. That's because <laughs> that isn't gonna happen. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> yeah, Marmite is like that that I don't know why that was invented. That never <laughs> needed to happen. 
No, yeah. no it, it just it's just uh, you know if I could only turn back time that song. Could turn back time. You know, some people wonder like what would happen if you know I went back in time and I killed my grandfather. Like, would I even exist? And then therefore, could I travel back in time? That conundrum. You know, I'm just wondering if I could travel back in time and kill the inventor of Marmite before he had a chance to invent it. Wow, that is that's my evil genius mind thinking. Why well, episode ninety one goes to a dark place? Okay. <laughs> Very dark. <laughs> <laughs> well. So you, you've literally spent the whole week inside. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, you don't really, and funny enough, the same day I tested positive, or sorry, the very next morning after I tested positive, um, friend of mine texted me who lives miles and miles away from here, said, oh yeah, just tested positive. Oh. All his family are as well. Really? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So he's quite hopeful that because I'm clear now yeah. that actually in the next day or so he'll be, he'll be clear yeah. too. Um, but yeah, I've been stuck indoors. You don't really, I don't think I would have gone, gone many places cause I've actually had a lot of stuff to do at home mm. and, but it's, it's that restriction of saying you cannot go. Yeah. That is just so frustrating. I didn't need to go. Yeah. Knowing that I couldn't was just horrible. Well, that was that was uh, not too dissimilar to the first lockdown. I remember, right? You know, where it wasn't like well, the weather was great. You remember, like that summer was awesome, or well, that spring was awesome. And I, I thought, like, I don't want to go anywhere just because they're telling me I can. Now I'm pissed off. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. I'd, um, so my my mum lives around the corner, mm. so she um, was dropping me off food shopping and whatnot at the door. Right. And, yeah, because it hit when I hadn't been food shopping as well. Yeah, of course. So, yeah. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely nothing in. Anyway, all good now. All good now. Yeah, we, I mean, we had the same thing. You know, we had deliveries and, um, <laughs> and like, my, my mother-in-law came by and dropped stuff off. Yeah. You know, and then it's just this weird thing, you know, she would knock on the door and then I would open the door and she dropped all the, the bags and whatever food just right in front of the front door. But then she'd be, like, 10 meters away just waving. You'd be like, God, it's just <laughs> depressing. I don't know. I feel like some weird leper now or something. I know, of course. Do you know what film I watched a, a week and a half ago? Contagion. Was it called that? No, was it called Contagion or was it called Outbreak? Uh, they're two different movies, yeah. Oh, they, they are two different. So Outbreak's the one with Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, that's yeah, the one oh, I watched. Outbreak. I watched that like yeah, a week yeah, yeah. and a half ago or two weeks ago. Now. Right. That, that's why I got it. I'll tell you what you want to watch. Um there's a it's like a 70s movie called the andromeda strain i was based on a book by michael Crichton, who wrote mm-hmm. jurassic park right mm-hmm. um it's and i can't remember whether that was like the first one of his novels that was uh you know turned into a movie or not but um it's it's always been one of my favorite kind of 70s movies possibly the first movie i ever bought when uh, itunes first came out oh wow you know must have taken a week but uh, well, i probably <laughs> did uh, um Back in the days, we'd get up in the morning. You're like, "Oh, I'm going to set a download so we can watch something tonight." <laughs> I want to watch something next week. A week on Friday, <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's an interesting thing. That's about a virus um, that I think it's a virus that escapes from a lab or something. Um, and then they people like people die because uh, because the because the blood basically hardens inside of their bodies. Lovely, yeah. Lovely, I know. Excellent. Mm, sludge <laughs> yeah so if you haven't seen that highly recommend it mm. it's a bit 70s you know it's like uh yule brunner's what is it called future world or something oh god i don't think i ever watched that yeah it's um what's yeah. all that mm. 
<laughs> you know what makes me laugh is uh, when you watch movies like that, like sci-fi movies from the 60s and 70s. And uh, usually what happens, or even the, even the early 80s, like Terminator. It's like, you know, the future, 1999. And you kind of go, yeah, yeah that never happened. Uh, 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 <laughs> no, it's, it's hilarious how they thought, how they imagined the future to be, you know, only like 30, 40 years ahead of time, you know. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and you kind of go, well, none, none of these things came to pass. Like, right. we're not using, you know, rocket backpacks. Where's my hoverboard? Exactly. Where are like, my power laces? Exactly. That never they happened. They made those. They did. Yeah. They're ridiculously expensive, I believe. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. what? Sh well, you might as well just have Velcro. <laughs> or a time machine. I mean, that's the... How do you... There's a funny thing, though. I mean, just one way that you can prove that time machines just aren't possible is the fact that there are no time travelers around. That you know of. That that you know of, of course. Mm. Of course. Sometimes you see these... Uh, you, get, you get these pictures on these, you know, photographs on, like facebook or whatever and it's like you know ooh, this guy and then you see like a college book photo from like 1992 and you see the same guy apparently show up in a photograph like a first world war oh, right. photo yeah. in the trenches that's definitely the same guy definitely definitely let's make a deal if either of us invent time travel or meet someone who is a time traveler right we come back to this exact moment now and you'll walk through the door there no, well, that's, uh, that's, no, that's very disappointing. Basically, that theory is <laughs> <Right>. proven. <laughs> right disappointing. There. So wow. you could say with, with absolute certainty that that you will never invent a time yes, machine. Okay, well, no. That's yeah. it now. Okay. Uh, or wow. I'm just messing with myself. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's it. Anyway. Anyway, so what have we got today? Now, um, ooh, there's a whole bunch of interesting stories um, that have sort of come out um, over the last week or something. Um, you know, one is... There's a new law um, in England and Wales that makes it illegal to photograph breastfeeding women in public. You have to question why it was legal prior to that. I, I know I'm being slightly facetious, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it all falls into that privacy and where you are, but it it makes sense. Yeah, because the thing is, I think you know there, there is an argument. Who's doing that anyway? Uh, well, and that is exactly that's the point. I mean, who would do that, right? I mean, there's certain things you would, you just wouldn't photograph. I mean, why would you? No, I mean, if you're out doing, like, yeah, street or something like that, you're you're actually a photographer. And you're doing some street. You'd, you'd probably just let it go. You just go, no, all right, we'll just wait for them to finish or shoot something else. Yeah, I mean, just you know, there is this argument, and of course, we've discussed it on a podcast before, um, and and I hear it all the time, like in sort of camera club environments or whatever, you know, because there are quite a lot of people who like shooting street photography. Um, but there's this argument that, you know, well, the law says if you're in a public place, then um, you have no, uh, you know, reasonable expectation of privacy because you are yourself in a public place. So, you know, what that means is, is that if you're out in the street and the photographer is out of the, in the street, basically that photographer then has the right to shoot whatever they want, right? Because mm. if you make the decision to be out in, in a public place, then you've, you can't really have reasonable expectation of privacy. That's I understand all that, and I agree with that to to a degree. Um, there's this this added thing whereby you know in the UK at least, if you're a photographer and you you stand on the you're on the sidewalk somewhere on a, on a public road, um, and you have a long lens and you point that at somebody's like you know living room window or bedroom window, and you you photograph 
whatever's going on inside of a house, because you are in a public place, you're now legally perfectly fine to do that. And that's the thing where I'm thinking, well, that's, I can't really, I don't really think that's cool. Yeah. You know, because the, the people that are in their house, surely they should have, um, you know, a reasonable expectation of, of privacy, Absolutely. even if they haven't got a curtain drawn. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of where that falls a bit flat. Uh, you know, people argue about this left, right, and center, and it's, uh, you know, whatever. But I think, and then of course, there's this other argument where, like, you know, let's let's say you have, you know, kids playing in a playground. There's some, you know, creepy dude standing by the side of the playground, photographing the kids playing there. If you were a parent, well, I am a parent, and if somebody like, started I'd have photographing that camera off him right away, <laughs> yeah, if somebody you know started photographing my kid, I'd be like, I'd be over there. That yeah, would be in, in pieces. Flash. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, and then you know, you can argue, well, but the, but he's legally perfectly. Within his rights. Now, screw that. You know, no, so there, there's an argument to say actually, there are photos with, if a, a woman is out doing that, there are photos where actually there is an artistic side to taking a photo like that with, you know, assuming <laughs> it's tasteful. No, listen, listen. No, I've just, I've just, I've just remembered something. This just popped up in my head. Um, I was watching Ricky Gervais Afterlife yesterday. I don't get on with that series. Or something. Oh my god! There's uh, there's one joke in there. Like, why why does the why does the little kid fall off the swing? Gone. Does it have any arms? Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what can I say? I didn't write that wow. joke. Wow! <laughs> Brilliant. That's, that's a very one. Ricky Gervais there's joke. Another, isn't it? There's another. What's the difference between a Rolls Royce and a dead prostitute? <laughs> oh. I, I don't have a Rolls Royce in my garage. Oh jeez. <laughs> I say, you know, Afterlife, uh, available that's, on that's Netflix. That's a very Ricky Gervais joke. Oh, my God. Very. Anyway, <laughs> back to photographing children in the playground. Wow. Wow. Oh. <sighs> Should we cut here or should I? No, just a... <laughs> wow. Anyway. No, you said it. It's staying. No, <laughs> man, you know, like I said, I, goes, I blame Ricky. No, but if if a woman is is out doing that, there's there's an argument to say there's an artistic photo in there somewhere, right? Assuming it's done tastefully and done right, right? There, there's there is that side to it, and you can imagine the type of photo that that could probably be. Hmm. But as a photographer, particularly when it's someone in that, let's say it's I appreciate appreciate it's out in public, but in a vulnerable position, yeah. you go and talk to them. You go and ask. Well, okay. That's, this is where all yes. of this stuff should come back to. Now, there is, you're out taking photos on the street. You can't be asking permission for every every single person. Now, if someone doesn't like no. it, just get rid of the photo. You know, yeah, if they, they, they have a problem with it, fine. But when it's clearly someone that is, it's a contentious photo that you might take, go and talk to them. And it always boils down to consent, yeah, ultimately. Yeah, that's it. That's the thing. Um, it's not complicated. It's not difficult to do. And all right, perhaps that particular situation, they may go, no, no, I'm not okay with that. Mm. All right. Some some will go, yeah, yeah. yeah. go on. <clears throat> I mean, you know, it does come, it does come across a, as a little bit pervy if, you know, yeah. you get some dude with the, with the lens. I mean, this, this yeah. is actually how this whole thing um, came about because it was, um, it, there was a, uh, um, a Manchester-based designer called uh, Julia Cooper, and she was basically photographed by some dude while she was, you know, breast breastfeeding her baby, and uh, which creeped her out. So she then started this whole campaign, uh, which has now turned into, I think, it's a bill. So I, I don't think it's actually 
been passed it's yet. Not passed yet. But it's, no. I mean, it sounds like it's 99.9% sure that, it is, that it will be passed. So, mm. yeah, so that's, that's the change. Um, I, I have no great strong feelings either way. I mean, it, the but... one thing I would say is, is that, um, some people may argue that this is sort of a slippery slope, you know, yeah. and it's, it, it you know, can, it could be today we can't photograph women breastfeeding and tomorrow we can't photograph anybody out in the street. I, I actually personally, I don't think it's, that's a sensible argument at all. I just think, you know, do the decent thing and don't photograph people breastfeeding their, yeah. their babies without talking to them first, you know, yeah. or, or even like, why would you even, I mean, it's, you know, and that's just something, I mean, maybe somebody's doing a series of. You don't know. There could be. There are. I'm, I'm sure there are some legitimate reasons for for taking a photo like that. <clears throat> yeah. But not without them knowing. Yeah. That's creepy, people. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that really that, that sort of almost like leads into another, um, you know, new legal thing um, that's that's about to happen in the in the UK. Um, and that's it's part of the they're putting something through called the digitally altered body image bill, which is uh, which will potentially lead to influencers and broadcasters and uh, you know and publishers and so on having to basically show a warning um, on any edited portrait. So as soon as there's a portrait photo, oh, this could get interesting. That's being retouched or edited. Especially if uh, I think what, what does edited mean? Well, I think uh, what they're, they're defining it, I think they're defining it as like where proportions have been changed. So, for instance, if somebody's made legs longer, neck longer, the typical kind of um, or where they mess up extra fingers, yeah, that's what I'm yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, the, the typical kind of you know, fashion photography uh, kind of retouch thing, I mean, it's, it's not unusual to make legs thinner or you know, yeah. uh, change shape for hips and you know, and um, arms and and the neck and whatever else. I mean, this is not, that's not unusual um, to change proportions like that. But um, apparently from now or from very soon, um, these kind of images will have to feature some kind of, some kind of disclaimer logo type of thing. I don't disagree with it. When it's, if it's editing to that, ex I use this word carefully, but extreme, you know, where yeah. it is, it's one thing smoothing skin and doing all of that. It's a different level. Putting an Instagram filter on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> yeah. is a different level, you know, making, you know, making that photo look thinner looking, <laughs> you know. What are you, are you saying these fluffy dog ears aren't real? Are they not? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, oh. it's like, you know, you're going to have to, yeah. I mean, there has to be some kind of definition as to what that actually means because otherwise I mean, virtually, you could say like any raw image that's been color corrected is definitely edited. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Obviously. But um, I can see it. I mean, we, you know, we went through this whole body image thing with our oldest daughter um, in secondary school. And that was, uh, there was quite an interesting process because there were, there had some talks at the school, um, some presentations that we, that we attended. Um, and one of, one of these was, was really interesting. They, they had this FBI artist. Which it was a, a film that I showed, but basically it was this uh, this FBI artist um, whose job it was to draw um, suspects, mm -hmm. right? And um, so they had a group of people, and these people would go in, and they would they would sit behind a screen, and they would describe themselves, 
and the artist would, the FBI artist would draw them based on their descriptions. You hadn't seen them at all. Um, and then they would basically pair these people up, the subjects, and they would put them in a room together for like half an hour or something. You know, they would have a chat and then it would come back and then it would basically describe the other person that they've been chatting with. And though the FBI artist again would draw that person based on the description. And then they would compare the two images, one which was the self-description mm-hmm. and how people saw themselves. And then they would compare that with the other drawing, which was based on the description of somebody else and how they see, you know, the other person. That makes mm. sense. So, and it's really interesting how those images differed, like how somebody's perception of themselves is very different from the way that they're perceived by other people. Um, so, you know, one of the things was, for instance, you know, you, if, you're not, if you're unhappy with your nose, for example, you would draw attention to your nose and you would like describe it in an unflattering way. Like you'd say like, yeah. oh, my, you know, my nose is like potato and it's too big or something like that, right? When somebody else might actually have completely different uh, descriptive terms for, mm. you know, for mm. your nose or your eyes or whatever, maybe. Um, and so that was basically to show that, you know, the way you see yourself, especially when you're a teenager, the body image that you have of yourself actually may vary dramatically from the way that other people actually view you. Um, and that, you know, that's a really important um, realization. And that's you know? the same for get, get, that's the same as you, even as you get older, you just yeah. become less and less, uh, I don't know, concerned with it. Um, or, you know, you just, you just give up, you basically. Just, yeah, you're pretty <laughs> so much you it, it? I think that's where I'm going with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I gave up a long time ago. <coughs> yeah. But, um, oh, yeah. I, I don't disagree with it. I, I, I don't entirely see how they're going to enforce it. Um, but I don't disagree with it. You know, I, it's... Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think... It'll be quite telling if it does come in yeah. as to how many images that that's on every single image in any magazine. I mean, it seems, you know, it seems. They'll just put a disclaimer at the start of the magazine saying every single photo in here is. Yeah, it could be. I mean, you know, to me, it was, it was actually, it was hilarious when, when we went to this, this Photoshop talk, you know, at, uh, at my daughter's secondary school, because literally this whole, this whole evening was about like body image and, you know, digitally altered imagery and la la and all, all the rest of it. That literally spent all day retouching images Excellent. that day. <laughs> so I was sitting there going, uh, I feel guilty now, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, um, as you should. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's true to say that, you know, especially if you're, if you're a photographer or if you're, you know, um, you know, if you retouch or something, it's, I mean, to me, it's blatantly obvious that virtually everything we see in the commercial world is retouched to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, because very often there are extremely good reasons as to why it has to be, you know? Um, and so, you know, when I look at a, a billboard or, you know, um, I look at like imagery and when I went to a drugstore the other day with, with my wife and she's, you know, picking out some makeup and I was looking at the, you know, the fashion photography in there. It's blatantly obvious what's retouched and what isn't. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, nobody's got super stellar, clear, like, you know, lizard-like skin. But it's not obvious to most people. But it's not obvious to most people. And so they, you know, and then you have this thing with, like, especially with teenagers, 
I mean, I would say teenage girls, but I think it's probably also true for guys. Um, I think it's definitely true for guys. You know, in a slightly different way, maybe. But um, is it all of a sudden you think like this is the thing you have to aspire to? And and therefore, the only way to really kind of start kids understanding um, that that really is the case is to for a whole bunch of photographers to get out there and show this is what it actually looked like and this <laughs> yeah. is what it looks like after. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, whether that's commercial work that they've done, they probably wouldn't be able to do that. But they could t- go and take a load of new photos of people yeah. and go, this is what I would do on a typical retouch if this was going into a magazine. Oh, yeah, for and sure. And this is how it looks before and after. So they understand, actually, this is all, everything you're seeing is false. Well, also, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it is is false. Well, it's false to the, to the extent that it's not the actual reality. However, a lot of the times it's what that person could look like at their best. Well, this, I mean, this is how I always describe it um, when it comes to just headshots, for example. You know, it's, um, I mean, somebody might be coming uh, for a headshot session and might have had like a terrible day, you know, and they may have like gotten out of bed on the wrong side and like slipped on a banana peel, it might have been raining, you know, like whatever. And I've cl- you know, shut the door, forgotten the keys inside and all like that, you know, like a really terrible day. And then they walk up uh, for their session. Um, and it's really my job to make them look like they're doing their best day. Yeah. You know, not so that they look like a cartoon character, obviously, but, you know, to really just, you know, take back all those things that make you believe they've actually had a really good night's sleep that night and there's no bags under their eyes and all that kind of yeah, stuff. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, because that's what a headshot is. It's a, <coughs> you know, it's ultimately it's a promotional image, yeah. you know, uh, whether that's, you know, whether, that, whether that's uh, for somebody using that headshot on their own website or on social media, you know, they're using that to basically represent themselves uh, on a good day. Um, and of course, when it comes, um, when it comes to acting, it's, uh, I would say it's slightly different because um, with actors' headshots, you got to be careful that you don't go overboard because the casting director still wants to see what they actually look like. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that yeah. being said, yeah. you know, the, I think the retouching is just different on that. It's not that there's less retouching, it's just different. Mm. Um, mm. A good example there is like if somebody's got like, you know, a case of a case of the pimple or something, you know, uh, or some mild acne or something, you can take that out because that stuff isn't going to be there in two weeks from That's now. It. Exactly right. You know, um, yeah. So I don't really see. You know, there's nothing. There's nothing inherently wrong with with retouching at no. all. There's a very fine line, isn't there, um, between what's a good, the right thing to do, and what's just mm. too potentially too much. Um, you know, take fashion out of it for a minute because that's just a whole other world completely yeah. but um if i like the way i kind of think about it is is that kind of two-week rule so to speak is a, is a really good one mm. um you know if that if something on that person is not going to be there in a couple of weeks time or a month's time or whatever yeah. that month that time frame is get rid of it there, i mean there can be you know you can have conversations um, and that that does happen um, we have a client, you know, and they say like, oh, you know, I've got this scar on my, on my chin or something, and I've really been super self-conscious about it. And I was wondering whether you could take it out, you know? Yeah. If that's on request, then that's perfectly cool because ultimately. How would you but- counter that? Cause I'm, I'm going to assume that you're more on the side of that should stay. 
But how would you counter that argument to them? I think, I think there's one thing, reducing it, maybe a touch, so it's perhaps slightly less obvious, so they feel yeah, a bit yeah, more sure. happy. But at the end of the day, that's you. Yeah, I mean, I'll, you know, we'd have a conversation about it. Um, again, if it's like an acting um, headshot, it has to stay in. Yeah. Because you cannot, like, you know, you can't. Imagine whacking Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, exactly, yeah. You know, or, or like, you know, or Harrison Ford, or, you know, like people who have, you know, scars on their faces. Or even... Um, you know, even Mark Hamill had a like facial scar after. I think was it between? No, it was between um, between the original Star Wars and the Empire Strikes Back. He had a motorcycle accident or car accident or something oh, like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, that's why he ended up in a Bantha tank um, at in the at the beginning of the Empire Strikes Back. It's <laughs> because okay. they, had to, they had to account for his his yeah. facial disfigurement, so to say. Gotcha. So. Um, I hadn't realized that. Yeah. It's hmm. cool. I think that's why that scene exists. Yeah, it's so, cool. But um, uh, it's really, you know, no, I mean, it's a conversation uh, that you have. And, you know, but ultimately, of course, you know, the client has to be happy with what they're getting. And if they don't, you know, if they see themselves without that scar, um, then that's perfectly fine with me, mm. you know, um, because it is something you have to feel good about. Um, and I'm not responsible for what they're using their imagery afterwards. Well, that's true yeah. as well. That is true. Ultimately, they're the only one that matters. But I had a client um, <coughs> last year at some point, um, and she had, like, her eyes weren't exactly the same size. Um, and I'll be honest with you, if you saw her, you wouldn't notice. I mean, you'd have to really look hard. Well, this is the other thing, right, is... If you were to meet someone, mm. how would you go away remembering that person? That's also what the, that portrait, sh- sh- you know, or headshot should actually be. <laughs> the one with like. the wonky eyes? Yeah. <laughs> but, but you wouldn't, unless it was obvious, you saw it, you're going to see that person. You're yeah. not going to remember that they didn't have perfectly, perfectly smooth skin on their forehead or their cheeks or whatever. You're not going to yeah. remember that. You're going to remember the face. So there's an argument yeah. to say, all right, you can get rid of some of that. You're not mm. going to remember that volcano spot that they've got over here yeah. well you might if it's that big then get rid of it you may or may not notice there a scar that they've got or something mm. like that perhaps reduce the intensity of it if you like yeah and you would do that anyway and so... <coughs> sorry you know yeah popping away <laughs> mr covid okay oh dear <clears throat> but yeah that that's how i kind of think of it is if you met that person how would you go away remembering them yeah, um, yeah, and you know, in this, I mean, ultimately, I'm just a tool that they use. You know, you are a tool. I am a tool, total tool. Mm. So, you know, <coughs> I mean, it's it's also important to understand that you know most clients in that regard don't really know what retouching even actually means. No, of course, you so. know, um, you know, I have a I'm working on a on a job at the moment actually that requires quite a lot of retouching. And that's, um, there's a number of reasons for that. Um, this is a tricky lighting situation, blah, 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 you know, and all the rest of it. So it does require quite, quite a bit of work. Um, and that's fine, but the, the resulting images look perfectly natural and uh, it's definitely an enhancement. Um, it just gets, gets rid of some of the, some of the things that we're just unable to control, you know, mm. uh, at the mm. time. So. So that's that. But um, yeah. So 
That's an interesting thing. Um, <coughs> it's uh, it's called the Digitally Altered Body Image Bill. It's proposed by a conservative MP, of course. Of course. Um, Luke Evans, I think. I don't even know what like what area he's from or something. No idea. No idea. Um, but you got to remember, I mean, this is the thing that shocked me the most, actually, especially when we went through this with, you know, with my daughter. Um, they're like, there are one and a quarter million people in the UK um, that struggle with eating disorders. That's a lot of people. I'm surprised it's as low as that, if I'm honest. Really? Mm, I'd, I'd have thought it'd be higher. It's one of those that you never, uh, never know mm. that someone's got an issue. No, for, of for course. Them, right? Abs- and, absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm surprised it's as low as that. I, I mean, you know, I've, I've recently learned that people in my immediate family have eating disorders. I've never, I never thought mm-hmm. they would, you know. Yeah, I've known people, I've known, I've known, this is mm-hmm. why, you know, people, I've known people that one and a half million, one quarter million, whatever you just mm-hmm. said, just seems low. My only eating disorder is the fact that I like McDonald's way too much. Yeah. Yeah, that's because you're an, way you're an animal. I'm an animal. Yeah. What are you doing for lunch? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd never mention it. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, if you want to meet us live in a flash, uh, you know, check out the Windsor McDonald's. That's where we typically hang out. <laughs> yeah, outside. That's, that's right, outside. On the railings. At the moment, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's, I mean, uh, anyway, yeah. interesting thing. Um, that's going to happen here in the um, in the UK. Again, it's, it's a bill most likely going to become law i would have guessed um, yeah yeah very good thing well it's new um his fun story there's a new liker m11 out one billion dollars <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah the new Leica m11 looks cool I, I saw some pictures of it. it looks cool i mean it looks like a liker like, you know um it's it's a 60 megapixel rangefinder okay mm-hmm. <laughs> if i get this right it's a it's a 60 megapixel rangefinder with triple resolution tech and I was intrigued to find out what that actually means. Give me an hour. I'll work out what that means. <laughs> so get this right. So triple resolution tech is, well, you can basically switch it from 60 to 36 to 18 megapixels. Why? I guess there's probably two reasons. One would be buffer size, but then the other yeah. thing would be... Buffer um, size, file size, fine. Yeah, and file size, that's it. Do you- <sighs> I mean, there's one cool file th- size that really that much of a concern. Oh, I don't get me wrong. Sixty odd is that's, well, that's going to be a big file. Yeah, but- and, and also when it comes to editing and stuff, you know, if you don't need it, then why would you? Trust me, if you're if you're buying a Leica like that, you've got a top notch computer. You don't need to worry about well processing a large probably file. Probably like true. <laughs> well, I mean, the only I'm the only one thing that really I thought was really interesting actually it has built in storage. And I, I just can't remember for the life of me how much it was. Let's, you know, it has, but I have several gigabytes of built-in storage. And I kind of thought, and that's basically... Interesting. Yeah, that's interesting because I kind of thought, wow. Do they use that as buffer? I wonder if they use that, you know, a yeah. hard drive would you, a regular laptop would use your hard drive and your RAM. Yeah. And it will process stuff between as your RAM starts to get to full, it starts using your hard drive as yeah. well. And I wonder if it's using, doing something like that for well, it, file sizes. It uses it. That's interesting. I'm pretty sure instead of a second memory card slot well so you know i'm thinking is that is that going to be the next thing that we're going to see generally in um 
you know, in mirrorless cameras, it is better not building be. storage. Well, well, what's what's where's think about it now? Where's that going to go? You're going to be able to buy that camera with sixty-four gig with ten gigabytes of internal storage, one SD card slot, or for an extra two hundred pounds. Yeah, well, that's you a, can get yes, sixty-four gig. It's it's Apple internal storage all over. Oh well, yeah, that's it. You got it. That's no. That's not. I, I. My initial reaction is I very much dislike that. If it starts, because yeah. it, it will go that way. If well, they start I mean, it's, it's it interesting. In. It's interesting. Um, it's interesting. Why would thought. they sacrifice a second slot for a bit of internal memory? I don't. I mean, it's, it's quite. It's quite a lot of internal memory, as far as I remember reading. I just can't remember how much it is, but it's like you know, it's substantial. So again, like one twenty-eight in there. Mm. Fine. The only thing I would say, like from a practical point of view, um, I mean. There's two things. First, mm-hmm. you know, it's easy to swap out an SD card or any kind of memory card, you know, once once that gets filled, filled up, especially if you're shooting an event, and just pop another one in, um, you know, and then and you're golden again. I mean, once once your internal storage is full, what are you going to do then? You're going to have to basically decommission that camera for a little while, <laughs> you know, um, drag all the files off of it. That doesn't really make sense. So, I mean, it, it works in certain situations, but not in others. There's also, you know, I remember like, um, you know, shooting um, like boxing matches, for instance, where there's a, a printing booth. And so you'd shoot on on two memory cards and you basically shoot raw on one and then JPEG on the other. And the, after each bout, or after each fight, um, the memory card would get swapped out and would go to the printing booth. So they start printing for people who would order prints right there and then. Mm-hmm. And so you basically, it'd be like, a three memory card rotation system. So, you know, you just swapping out the second card. Yeah. The sec- yeah. second card gets swapped out after every, after every fight. Um, so you wouldn't be able to do that again with, you know, with internal storage, all that would be annoying. And, unless, no. you know, so it's, um, I so don't know how useful that would be. Yeah. I'm, I'm, my reaction is I, I don't like it or really see the point in it. However, I'm mm. very willing to be proven oh, wrong. I have my mind changed sure. on that. I mean, go back to the sensor for a second. No. That intrigues me a little bit. Do you get better low light performance if you switch it to the lower megapixel? Um, I bet you don't. That's a good question. I don't know. I bet you. How could they? Um. Unless they start, because uh, you're going to have to forgive me, because I, I will get this slightly wrong, um, and someone out there will correct correct me, I'm sure. But the, um, what's it, the G- <laughs> GH5S hmm. had has dual sensors. Right. And But they were set with different ISOs, base ISOs. Oh, okay. Right. I'm wondering if they're using two sensors. So you've got larger megapixels. Sorry, you've got larger um, photo. Uh, oh, what's the word? Pixels. Yeah, if, yeah, if you like. But there's, there's a word. The, the the actual whatever. Anyway, and on one, you've got the smaller one, so you can get the 60 megapixels. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't really... I get the smaller file size. Hmm. I get that you could shoot more frames per second if you switch it out. I'll yeah. switch it lower. I, I'm, I'm, mm, I mean, the I'm, text there for for fast yeah, megapixels. I'm, I'm a little bit like 
They're just I, trying to be different for the sake of it. I don't really, with you. Yeah, I mean, I don't really get why, you know, they have to label it triple resolution tech when it really is something that you can do on, on, on almost any consumer DSLR, yeah. you know. I didn't explain there. myself very well, but I know what I mean. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it also comes with an extra. Uh, it comes with an electronic viewfinder that goes into the hot shoe as an extra. Okay, but I'm saying this, I'm saying this because the the, uh, the M11 already sets you back just under nine thousand dollars. I told you one billion dollars. And then you know, and I'm, I'm wondering how much uh, the you know the extra electronic viewfinder might be. Great. Probably another. Well, so you've got to take that. up your hot shoe to put a viewfinder on. Yeah. It. So I mean, it seems you know, but it looks cool, man. It does look cool. You know, it does look cool. There you go. You can't deny the quality of Leica. You just can't. No, you However, that this—they're doing this stuff for the sake of it, surely. Yeah, but you know, mm. I've seen I've seen some Ferraris where I thought the doors were going to fall off, and yet you know. Mm. Well, there you go. Anyway, I'd like to get the camera in my hands, and then for all of pass you, pure actual judgment that, for all of you Leica shooters, um, you know, prove me wrong. <laughs> you know, but. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to play around with anyway. Mm. You know. Oh, it would. I'm, I'm sure it'll take yeah. fantastic shots as every Leica does. But talking about sensors, you know, Sony's talking um, about these gimmicks. Sony's announced um, a new type of sensor uh, that's apparently able to gather uh, twice as much light as any sensor on the market today. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's interesting. What they what they've done is um, they've basically created a sensor with a double layer of transitional pixels okay so they've literally managed to layer them on two planes and so what that does is it allows them to essentially pick up twice as much light and um of course what, what they're doing is they're increasing the dynamic range incredibly and so therefore you know they're able to uh to reduce noise and the low light performance of that will be greatly improved uh sounds interesting i want to add you know it sounds like a really good step in the right direction. Like really good. Could be step. very cool. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I uh, I can't really envisage in my head how that all is going to pan out practically, as in what are you actually going to see different. So it says twice as much light. Mm-hmm. What does that actually mean in real real terms? Okay, so basically you know? means that the low light performance would be you know would be so if, much improved. So if you're a concert shooter, if you're an event shooter, you know. Um, you know, uh, you, so you know what I'm trying to get at is if you're shooting at ISO 800, do you either now need to only shoot at ISO 400, or mm-hmm. is there half as much noise at 800 as there was previously? Just for argument's sake. I mean, it, the thing is, like, I think the thing there is is that you know you'll now be in. It in must a, be the noise part, because otherwise you're going to have to start having inbuilt NDs and stuff like that. Because you. So the inter- I mean the interesting thing there is is that you know if you as an event shooter for example I mean you you know um, there are certain situations that are really tricky to shoot with available light like yeah you know um, if you think about wedding for instance anything that's indoors or that's like is the party itself or whatever you know if it's in some kind of venue that could be difficult um, and you may just be able to get away without having to use you know speed lights or any kind of other strobes or whatever you might just be able to get away without that now. Um, and that would be cool because, yeah. you know, saves you hassle. That's great. Um, you know, for concert photography, this can come in really handy. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well. I, I can see the, the situations in which it could be mm. 
the idea is very, very, very yeah. useful. And then, but I, I practically can't see how it's going to. And the other thing, of course, how it's going to pan out. What they're going to do. So, so the other thing, like? of course, from a practical point of view, is like if I think like for instance, take a typical um, event or, or concert situation. If I have, you know, greatly improved dynamic range, what'll what it'll allow me also is afterwards in the raw file is to pull up more details of the shadows, for example. Absolutely, and, you know, I, and I, I think this is actually all we're going to see from it. Hmm. Is you will get the greater dynamic range, but actually sure. the noise will be the same overall. However, hmm. because you've got that dynamic range, when you do pull up those shadows, yeah. that noise won't be as increased as nearly as much as it would have been previously. So, uh, talk about noise. Actually, that's, that's another thing that's. Um, Come on, everyone, don't be afraid of noise. Noise is great. There's nothing wrong with noise. Sometimes, sometimes it's great. Sometimes it sucks. Um, <laughs> it's an interesting thing. I, I saw a completely unrelated, but. Because there's also something, um, a little bit of news that's come out about the Nikon Z9. I've just remembered something. I saw, um, you know, Nikon do their own um, raw file conversion software called, I think it's called Nikon NX or something, um, which I've I've tried out and it's not bad, you know, but uh, there's no real need for me to use it because it doesn't really fit into my workflow, seeing that. You know, my workflows. What would the purpose of that software be? When, ah, would, when would you use it? So here's an interesting thing. Um, so when are you converting raw? Well, so whenever, well, every time you edit it, you need to convert the raw file, right? But so what what happens is whenever a new camera comes out, right? Like the Z9 is relatively new. Then of course Adobe have to go and mm-hmm. you know figure out how to, you know update Lightroom or, and, you know, um, and, uh, and Photoshop in order to make that happen so that, you know, Lightroom can now read those, those files and whatever else. And uh, that's, do you know how long it took to be able to tether the R6? Well, (laughs) you know, that's a, but, um, apparently, um, I read an article about where, uh, some images, some, some raw files from the Z9 were basically, um, converted in Nikon's own software and then compared to Lightroom to Adobe Lightroom. And the difference was marked. It was marked. Really? It was yeah, really lacked a lot of vibrance. Um, and the that was a with color the shift version. with yeah. the Adobe version, yeah, compared to the the Nikon. That's interesting. Software, yeah. So obviously, what's happened here is that Adobe haven't really caught up with that yet, and there's obviously still still some work that needs to needs to be done mm, on mm. on the on the raw so, conversion there. So it sounds mm. like it could be incredibly useful for that first. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Or so of the camera being out, if you're assuming you're a, mm. a Lightroom user. Um, but it's nothing that, that it's nothing you can't fix in Lightroom afterwards. It's just the fact that you have to fix it. It's yeah, you, so, well, you, know, you want it as right as possible to begin yeah. with. It's how that camera is supposed to be. Yeah. But you don't know that that's what that should look like. I mean, your Fuji right? files always have this issue um, with there's some weird... Um, like there's some weird, weirdly shaped noise going on. That's because um, Fuji used a different type of sensor from just about anybody else. Mm. And so uh, there's always been a conversion issue. And there's a thing where, you know, a lot of people convert their Fuji files, their Fuji raw files first in a different converter and then import them into Lightroom. Um, and there's some other workarounds, but I've, I've noticed that myself and I've gotten really quite annoyed with that mm. in the past. But I have to say, I only the other day printed... Um, a 60 by 90 centimeter print, um, which was a Fuji file. And that looks great in print. So you can't, you can't see that in print as you know, it looks fantastic. So, um, it's really only something I'm sort of noticing annoyingly on the screen, 
but I'm not noticing that in the print. So it's, you know. Well, there's definitely an argument to say, so use Nikons or Canons mm. or Fuji's, whatever converter that they've got. Yeah. Because um, it's going to end up, it it should end up with a file that's more accurate to what you're, to what they intended yeah. the camera to produce yeah. than what Adobe are producing, at least, like I say, for that yeah. first year, possibly even longer. So I just thought of that because there's there's another Nikon Z9 Z9 or Z9 uh, update that's that's just been um, announced and that's that's a that's the first software update, uh, which now turns the Z9 of this into the world's longest continuous shooter. So those four people who have the camera right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. The four people who are already in possession of it can now shoot for a very long time. <clears throat> but get this. Remember, you know, the Z9 is amazing in a sense because it, it shoots 20 frames per second. But what it can do now is it can shoot 20 frames per second in RAW plus JPEG mm-hmm. for 15 seconds without having to buffer. Show us how long that is. Oh, I'm pretty sure that wasn't long enough. That was 15 seconds. Was it really? Yeah. Wow. That's I would just imagine. I mean, that's that is pretty pretty damn decent. Mm. You know, um, 15 seconds at at uh, 20 frames per second. I also didn't know that you were a golf sprinkler in your other job. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my garden sprinkler. <laughs> um, but yeah, interesting thing. I mean, uh, there is, of course, as always, a slight caveat, and that's. That's you get it used to write raw and JPEG settings for it. Um, yeah. It's like what well, this test is based on um, high efficiency raw, and it, uh, the, the Z9 <laughs> has another setting which is high efficiency raw star, which is obviously the the you know highest quality setting for raw. But you know, nevertheless, again, if you're an event shooter, if you're a sports shooter, right, um, or you like shooting birds in flight, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, then this can come up. This can come up. You know, come up yeah, to be really. If you're happy really, with that uh, file. Really mm. useful. Yeah, the files apparently look amazing. You know, so be interested to know the difference between the three formats. Um, um I saw a comparison. Raw, high efficiency raw and high efficiency raw star. Did you say? Yeah, I mean, the reality is, I think you know, again, unless you want to, you know, print something the size of a building, you won't really yeah. notice the difference. I mean, Sounds about right. It's not, you know. Um, it's not really something you don't necessarily really worry about. Mm-hmm. You know, with with that kind of high frame rate, I can only really think of like two situations or very few situations where you would actually need to really use that. One is, you know, yeah, if you're a press or a sports shooter, um, it'll allow you to just have a wider selection of, mm-hmm. of frames. Mm-hmm. And by the way, also the other thing that um, was really interesting in the report I read was that <clears throat> apparently the, uh, the autofocus system is completely unmatched at this point um you know what i've read is um that is you know it's supposed to be better than what canon's doing at the moment Are and we sorry. Sure? yeah that's that's, that's it doesn't uh, sound likely yeah no but um that's great because if they have finally sorted it out well that's, that's why that's good for and that everybody. is exactly why i'm waiting for the z8 to be announced because i'm hoping that the autofocus technology will trigger down mm. or trickle down from from the Z9. So, 
you know, that's my, that's what I'm holding out for, basically. But anyway. It's good so, news. It's good news. Yeah. I mean, Nikon is back, you know, back in the game. Yeah. Um, I, of course, what's also really interesting is to think about what Canon are going to be doing with the R1 mm-hmm. once that drops, um, either in 22 or who knows, with the current, you know, chip shortage, might be 23, who knows, but you know, it's definitely coming at some point. Yeah. And of course, they, they're going to be very closely looking at the at the Z9 um, to see how, how they can how they can better that. For sure. You know. Um, Interesting times. Yeah, that's the R5S as well, which is the sort of video version. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it has built-in cooling or something. That's right, yeah. Yeah, something yeah. Like that. I think that if I remember correctly, I've taken the C70 body. It looks, oh, so it, it is? It looks a bit like the ah, C70 body. Yeah. Okay. I was wondering how they how how that, the that was a while just... ago. I saw that some like that may have been. Yeah, well, that's that's also of course we we are going to be talking know. about that at some point um, on the podcast because that's something that we're expecting for twenty twenty two. Yeah, of course, too that that hasn't actually happened yet. Uh, but no, there was there was a mention of that um, a good four months ago, maybe. Yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So um, so yeah, so that is pretty much all that's new at the moment. Yeah. That's it. So yeah. Cool. Well, if you Chocolate. if you enjoyed this episode of the Camera Shake Podcast, you know, make sure you leave us a comment or you know, hit the if you're on YouTube, of course, hit the subscribe button. Um, you know, ring the bell thingy, whatever. Do all the things that good YouTubers usually tell you to do. Um, and of course, as always, it'd be super interesting to hear from you uh, wherever you are in the world. If you're listening to this show, uh, it'd be super wicked if you could get in touch with us. Um, we love it. So that is it. And if you also wear double denim, let us know. I don't believe there's anyone else out there, but I'd like to like to hear from you. I don't know if shorts um, count, then it'd be triple denim. That's what I'm saying. Denim shorts. Denim shorts every time. Anyway, <laughs> this is literally the end of episode uh, 91. We shall see you again next Friday. <laughs> I'll see. Maybe I can maybe I can bump it up with some more denim denim for. For next week yeah denim vest denim shirt Head please down. tight tight tiny little denim Headband. shorts i'm gonna get some some denim hats denim converse or something oh my yeah. god let's go let's do it <laughs> see you again next Thursday. <laughs>